Okay, uh, we are recording. Um, this is Jason. Welcome back to the show. And today I have my co-host, Gina Green. Say hello. Hi. And we have just had an experience that we want to discuss on the program today. And that is, we just had lunch at Subway. I have not eaten Subway in a long time. Because I don't care to eat a loaf of bread for my meal. But lo and behold, there's a new menu option at your local Subway. And it's called the Protein Bowl. Do you know what a Protein Bowl is? I know what a Protein Bowl is. I'm surprised Subway has Protein Bowls, but it was worth a try. It's basically a salad, but it sounds trendier if you call it a Protein Bowl, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I had the uh, Chicken Bacon Ranch. I also had Chicken Bacon Ranch. Oh, okay. And... Here's what I did to dress it up a little bit. I had them uh, put double the chicken and half the bacon. So the meat on that menu item is um, basically all one uh, one item, right? That's one category. And then I had, let's see, I had uh, lettuce, some spinach, some bell peppers, some onions, some olives... And a tiny little bit of the peppercorn ranch dressing, which I'm pretty sure was made primarily of soybean oil, as most commercial dressings are. I did, you know, we were kind of in a, in a hurry. And, um, you know, the best option always, in my opinion, would be to just prepare your meals at home. But if you're ever out and about and you need some food in a hurry... You know, sometimes that's why fast food is there, right? That's how the fast food industry really got to where it is today as a so-called uh, alternative, right? Or uh, an option, I guess, for people who are on the go, such as ourselves. We're actually driving right now as we're recording this episode. Unfortunately, I did not have my favorite salad dressing on hand, which is Primal Kitchen. While we're on the topic, I'm just going to talk it up a little bit because they are a sponsor of the show. And yes, there is a discount code linked in the profile somewhere, wherever you're listening to this show. You can save 10% on all your Primal Kitchen products by using our discount code, and I hope you do so. Primal Kitchen is made with healthier oils like avocado oil and olive oil. Things that are naturally oily, right? It's certainly not made with propylene glycol or whatever it was. That's what was in your salad dressing? That's exactly what was in my salad dressing. Do you know what propylene glycol is? It seems like it's one of the ingredients in antifreeze. Is that right? It is an ingredient in antifreeze. So there's antifreeze, essentially, in my salad dressing. Yum. You know... I really didn't. I just lost my appetite after that. It was horrible. And it was supposed to be healthy and fat-free on top of that. So, yeah, I noticed as I was reading the label on the little salad dressing packet that you had there (laughs) that uh, in lieu of the soybean oil, being that you chose the fat-free option, the primary ingredient was corn syrup, 
and I think there's some sugar. Do you actually have the full ingredient panel there? I don't. Oh, okay. We've had water, sugar, cor- uh, corn syrup, uh, you know, the lovely things that unhealthy dressings are not supposed to be made of, but they are. So, yeah. Okay, so long story short, long story short do we recommend Subway to our listeners? So, my issue was not necessarily with Subway because the protein bowl in and of itself was adequate, right? However, it was the fat-free craft dressing, ranch dressing, that spoiled my lunch. Um, essentially, I was eating poison. Mm-hmm. I put poison in my body during lunch. So now I get to go and find out a way to detoxify my body from the poison that I just ate. I guess another option would be to just not add the dressing. It could be. Or maybe to just use olive oil, like uh, salt or uh, lemon and olive oil or something like that as a healthier dressing. Or if you're like diehard, want to be a healthy person, we could have, should have, probably next time will... Stop at the Kroger that was literally right in the same little shopping center. Buy our Primal Kitchen salad dressing and take it with us when we have our protein bowl. So yeah, we're not we're trying to reduce we're trying to reduce the overall carbohydrate load, right? We're trying to keep it low carb. We're not necessarily trying to avoid any and all fat like the deadly plague. I think limiting dietary fat somewhat is probably a good idea. And just increasing your overall protein intake, uh, that, that protein leverage is really the main tool, you know, that I utilize and that I recommend is just increase your total protein intake while simultaneously decreasing your fat and carbohydrates, but keeping the carbohydrates the lowest of the three, right? So like a traditional ketogenic diet is high in fat, moderate protein, low carb. Basically, I just switch the protein and the fat around, make protein the dominant macronutrient, high in protein, moderate fat, low carb. The low carb approach works great because that eliminates a lot of the worst offenders in the standard American diet, primarily sugar and flour. But the quality of the fat that we consume is also a huge piece of the puzzle that I think is being uh, underestimated. And a lot of people are coming around to this realization now that um, it's it's not the healthiest thing, right? So the um, so-called vegetable oils, I'm doing vegetable in air quotes, those are actually industrial seed oils. We're talking about things like soy, canola, corn oil. Soy is not a vegetable. Canola is not a vegetable. Corn is not a vegetable. Those things are not naturally oily, and so to extract the fat from them, they have to be treated at high heat. They have to have chemicals to extract the fat and to keep it shelf-stable. Did you just say that corn is not a vegetable? I did. Corn is a grain. I grew up eating my vegetables that were put on my plate. And corn was a vegetable. You're telling me that corn is not a vegetable. That's correct. Very common misconception. A lot of people think that corn actually is a vegetable, but it's classified as a grain. 
And if you think about it, the way the plant grows, it's like a stalk. It's like basically a big grass stalk. It is. And the seed head, it just produces these little kernels that we eat, you know, but they're not really seeds either. They're they're grains like a, uh, like a wheat stalk would be, right? Okay. So same kind of thing. And uh, those can also be ground up and turned into corn meal so that that's in the uh, grains category like wheat, rice, oats. Those are other grains that are problematic for most people. Grains are not particularly good for our health. They actually contain a lot of anti-nutrients, so they block the absorption of other minerals. They displace valuable things in the diet that we could be eating uh, other, other than the grains. And that corn can also be turned into our other favorite ingredient in America, which is corn syrup, speci- uh, specifically high, right, high fructose corn syrup. You know what fructose is? I always thought it was that caro syrup that yeah. Mama cooked with. That's corn syrup. That's right. Yes. Uh, fructose is just fruit sugar. Oh. But high fructose corn syrup. Okay, so you got regular corn syrup, then you got high fructose corn syrup. So that's got a super high amount of concentrated sugar in it, like the caro syrup that you were talking about that right. Mama used to make, right? Or my, my grandmother used to make... Uh, fried cornbread and cover it with caro syrup. That's, oh uh, I can distinctly remember being <laughs> about, you know, nine or ten years old, Saturday mornings at Grandma's house, you know, right after uh, Muppet Babies went off, <laughs> just before Pee Wee's Playhouse came on, <laughs> I had eaten a, a, huge, a huge stack of uh, fried cornbread and basically started feeling kind of tired and sluggish. I was having, like, um, a hypoglycemic event, right, <laughs> unbeknownst to me. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know, now that we're talking about Pee Wee's Playhouse, maybe that's something we could add to the show here. We could have, like, the word of the day. Oh, and yes. When you say, when somebody idea. says the word of the day, everybody has to go, like, ah! Fructose. Yeah, fructose. Ah! Uh, we I could like do that. It. Yeah. So, corn is one of those foods that has been fiddled with so much Uh, most of the corn that's grown is a GMO so that's a genetically modified organism it's not even really the food in its natural form anymore and then it's the processing and what we do with it that really makes it terrible so a good old stalk of let's just say organic corn on the cob may not be the the worst thing you could I mean there are worse things you could consume right well when it's fried and, you know, breaded and fried at the fair. Well, that. Right. That's what I'm talking about. It's the things that we do to it. Right. That make it worse and worse and worse. Can we turn it into a corn dog, for example? Oh. Can we take, you know, can we take a, a hot dog, which, I mean, uh, originally, I guess, the hot dog was supposed to be something like sausage, right? Like link sausage. Right. A link sausage is probably not that bad of a food, you know, if it's prepared properly and it's good good quality meat i wouldn't i wouldn't opt for the uh, pork sausage personally i would have uh, probably a beef sausage uh but that's you know that's where the idea of the hot dog came from you know something like sausage 
so let's just take that and uh, you know see how how pal- palatable we can make it and how cheap of ingredients we can put into it to make you know the maximum profit, which is what these food companies are are out for, regardless of the impact it has on people's health. And then we'll cover it in uh, corn batter and fry it, and then let's throw some ketchup on it. All right. So while we're on the subject of ketchup, what's the main ingredient in ketchup? Sugar. In what form? Corn syrup. Corn syrup. Right. Absolutely. Flip the label over sometime, people, on your Heinz ketchup, and you'll find that 80% of the calories are from sugar in the form of corn syrup. But do you know what I just did last week? I went to the grocery store, and on the shelf, lo and behold, Primal Kitchen ketchup, organic, yum, yum. unsweetened, okay? And I put the Heinz ketchup on the plate, and I put the Primal Kitchen ketchup on the plate because I'm thinking, well, it's got to be terrible if it's not sweet, right? Because it says right on the label, unsweetened. Right. So I'm thinking it's going to be horrible. And lo and behold, it did not taste that much different than the Heinz ketchup with the, that's loaded with sugar. Yeah. I hardly missed so all the corn syrup. The true test is going to be, will the three-year-old daughter eat it? If it passes the kid test, we're good. Now, I think it will because it tastes just like the other thing. And if she's not accustomed to eating all of this sugary ketchup stuff because she's not 30, right? I don't think it'll make that big of a difference. I don't think she'll notice it. She'll just call it dip and dip her hamburger patty in it, which hamburger patty, no bread at our house, by the way. And she'll just dip it in the her hamburger patty in the ketchup and be happy. Right. Not, never really knowing the difference. Like, we didn't knowingly go into this corn syrup consumption. Would you ever think of ketchup as being, like, a high-sugar food? No. And made primarily of corn syrup? You no. really wouldn't. I thought it was just like a tomato paste. I mean, that's basically what I thought with maybe some salt or onions or something in it, right? I didn't know. I had no idea. The reason they do that is because it makes the food addictive. Yes. It's a cheap ingredient uh-huh. that, you know, probably ups the shelf life and just, you know, just causes people to eat more of the product. Right. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line is they're out for maximum product profit regardless of what it does to people's health. Right, which is okay because the... Um, Food and Drug Administration is directly connected to the health industry. Well, that's why it's called the Food and Drug Administration. It's one corrupt organization Mm -hmm. that runs the whole thing. The food, so-called food, food like products, destroy people's health, and then prescription medications are offered as a cure, you know, which basically they just mask the symptoms of chronic disease and allow someone to continue in the lifestyle behaviors without addressing the the underlying cause. You know, and thinking about all of this, the the condiments and things that that the school systems provide for our children who turn who grow up into adults, right? So this is this is started in 
preschool and kindergarten when we send our kids off to school and they are, we as parents are at the mercy of the school board or whomever that approves the nutritious, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. lunches that our kids receive. Mm -hmm. So I would love to just get my hands on the ingredients that are in the different foods that our kids eat Mm -hmm. that they're being fed at school that is supposed to help them grow and be smart and be healthy and grow up and be big and strong and i just can't even imagine not i mean there's propylene glycol for the love of all things good and the salad dressing and they're allowed to have a certain amount of suspect ingredients as long as, you know, there's no hard evidence that it causes direct harm. Like, let's just say somebody wanted to fund a study to see what the impact of ethylene glycol is on brain function. Mm-hmm. That study most likely would not get funded because the powers that be don't want yes. it to be known right. that their products are harmful. Right. Uh, and, and all of these, you know, alphabet soup, we'll call it, agencies, <laughs> USDA, FDA, this and that, right? The alphabet soup of uh, organization, government organizations, they have tremendous power over food policy. What gets served in school cafeterias? Right. What gets served to the military personnel? What do we serve in hospitals? What do we serve right. to inmates in prison? What do we serve, you know, uh, what is approved for purchase with uh, food stamps? Or oh, here in Georgia, we have WIC, Women, Infants, Children, right? What sort of foods are approved to be purchased with food stamps? Right. And that goes back to the reason why the food guidelines, the original food pyramid, the dietary guidelines for Americans that came out in the early uh, 1980s, has low-fat, grain-based recommendations without adequate amounts of protein from whole food sources like meat and eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not economically feasible to feed a sizable population on these expensive ingredients. You know, quality ingredients tend to be higher in cost. Go look at your shopping cart. You know, your your produce produce and your meat are going to be some of the more expensive items if you buy quality. Right. So just like the big traditional family, you know, let's just say uh, it doesn't matter what ethnic group we're talking about. Italian family, pasta is at the mm. root of the meal. Um, o- oriental background, rice is at the base of the meal, right? right. To supplement the amount of mm. protein, like it's not enough meat to feed the whole family. Right. So... We're going to pad it with some potatoes or some rice or some pasta or some cheap carbs, basically, to make it feel more like a meal, right? To fill everybody up. Right. That's kind of what our government did. They just said, look, we can't afford to feed everybody in this country grass-fed meat and pastured eggs and organic produce. So we have to make it sound like grains are super healthy because they're cheap. So... You know, that's where ideas like heart-healthy whole grains came from. Uh, Low-fat is healthy is an idea that's not founded in science. There's no hard evidence showing a connection between heart health and fat consumption. The, the study that vilified it 
was called the Seven Country Study. Mm-hmm. It was faulty science. And it was actually 20-something countries that were studied. And the guy who conducted the experiment threw out the data that didn't fit his hypothesis mm-hmm. that high-fat consumption leads to heart disease. There were countries that had high-fat consumption that did not have heart disease. Mm-hmm. Um, Ansel Keys was uh, actually not even a, a medical doctor. He was a, he was a Ph.D. He was a professor of something. I forget what his uh, discipline was. But it was nothing related to diet <laughs> or health or, you know, physician or anything like that. Yet the seven-country study, you know, it ended up translating into food policy. Right. And that's how the obesity epidemic began. You can just see the chart immediately. As soon as the guidelines were put in place, obesity just began to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was one voice of opposition at the time that was so countercultural to all of this that was Dr. Robert C. Atkins, who was a cardiologist, Dr. Atkins, mm-hmm. you know, creator of the Atkins diet. Right. That was a simple approach that actually worked for a lot of people because it was just eliminating high carbohydrate consumption. Of course, the media turned it around and said, oh, he's talking about a high fat. It'll clog your arteries. You know, the, if, if Those people probably never even read the Atkins book in the first place. Uh-huh. Atkins diet was high in vegetables and meat, you know, clean sources of protein like meat and eggs. It wasn't a bacon and cheese diet, you know, that the, right. the public tried to turn it into. Uh, he said those kind of foods were okay in moderation, and I believe they are. You know, they're not directly impacting our health the way sugar, flour, and vegetable oils do. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. That's about all the time we've got for today. To our listeners out there, thank you if you stuck with us through that entire episode. <laughs> if you like this format, please let me know. You can find me uh, now on Instagram at Radical Health. That's a new username, Radical underscore Health underscore. Uh, Jason Atkinson and Gina I think you've got an Instagram as well it's you don't use it but I don't even know uh-huh. I don't use it it's Miss Gina Green that's M-S G-I-N-A G-R-E-E-N like the color is there an E is there an E on the end no. of the color no, no so it's green color. like the color with no E on the, the end color. right and uh, drop us a line there. Um, you can always subscribe by email at eatmeatnotwheat.com. I'm going to be putting out more content that way through um, email subscription. There's a YouTube channel link there with the same name, Eat Meat Not Wheat, on YouTube. And we're going to start churning out some more regular ongoing content. We're on a mission to <laughs> change the country, save America, right? Re-educate America. That's yeah. the mission, is to re-educate you know, the public. Education is one of the most expensive, most complex and difficult things that there is to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and it far surpasses the cost of regular business. But mm-hmm. education in and of itself is one of the most costly aspects of anything that, you know... Mm-hmm. Yep. So send us your questions. Send us uh, ideas for future episodes. We'd love yes, to hear. Yes, ideas. That's mm-hmm. a wonderful idea. Show ideas and questions. Questions. Lots that we can use on the air. If we use it on the air, we'll send you a t-shirt. Eat meat, not wheat t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. I like that idea. That. Yes, let's do that. Okay. 
All right, that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.